Nice to throw. Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network, covering your Miami Dolphins each and every day. How is it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it is back to business. The Dolphins are back on the field, and we've got you covered. We are going to hear from Brian Flores and three more Dolphins players on this Thursday. Plus, we'll get into snap counts and who fills them on this team this season. All of that and more on this Thursday, September the 3rd edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. As we start daily here, we're going to go ahead and hear from Coach Flores in just one moment, but some late roster news on Wednesday night. The Dolphins released receiver Chester Rogers, who of course signed earlier this month. He has now been released. The Dolphins roster getting closer down to that league-mandated 55-man roster or 53-man roster with two call-up players this year and, of course, the 16 practice squad players. Cut-down day coming on Saturday. We're going to have you guys covered here on the Drive Time Podcast on MiamiDolphins.com. And then we get into the regular season next week. We are one week away from Chiefs and Texans and calling those games on the Miami Dolphins radio network is going to be Hall of Fame defensive end Jason Taylor, who joins Kim Camper, Jimmy Cephalo, and Joe Rose in the Miami Dolphins radio broadcast booth this year. So Jason Taylor, welcome in to the Miami Dolphins broadcast booth. Big news there for your Dolphins. Let's go ahead and get back to today's action here and hear from Coach Flores who showed up wearing a red Miami Heat shirt and, of course, was asked about Game 2 last night, the Heat taking down the Milwaukee Bucks to take a 2-0 lead in the Eastern Conference semis. Here's Coach on the game and the Miami Heat. Uh, I mean, I thought the game was fantastic last night. You know, came went down to the wire. A lot of great situational basketball at the end. It came down to free throws, so it was good. I, you know, obviously, I'm a fan of uh, Coach Bo and that team and the way they play. They're tough. They're physical they grind things out they play smart smart basketball and hopefully we we we, we can uh kind of learn from a lot of the things they do and uh, emulate a lot of the su- success that they've had over there it's just too perfect coach Flo and coach spo your south florida head coaches down here for the professional sports teams i can just imagine watching that game with flores and seeing him stress out over the missed free throws while simultaneously loving diving for loose balls and playing strong defense, passing the ball all around the arc and finding the best shot. Really fun to watch that Heat team play. I think Coach Flores appreciates that as well. Let's get back to football here and hear from Coach Flores on his quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and the value he brings to the quarterback room and the rest of that team. Well, from a leadership standpoint, from an experience standpoint, I think he brings a lot to the team. And for Tua specifically, and Josh, um, you know, to kind of talk through end-of-game situations, end-of-half situations, third down, two, you know, red zone, mic points in the run game, uh, defensive structures, you know, all those things, uh, they, they're very helpful to the to the young players. It's the same for defensively. So a defensive guy can go to Fitz and say, hey, what did you see on that that made you make that throw versus you know, another throw? So, And he's he's more than willing to, to take on that role and answer questions. And, yeah, I think he brings a lot. You just can't replicate the value of a strong veteran leader at quarterback that can, like Flores says, not only lead the quarterback room, but help the defense and show them things they might not have recognized in the coverage or in the particular progression for the quarterback and the route concept of the offense. Just invaluable stuff Ryan Fitzpatrick brings to this team. And we stay on topic there as coach was asked if he had a pre-existing relationship with Fitzpatrick before he brought him here to Miami and to describe the affinity that he feels for Fitzpatrick. 
And although he loves Fitzpatrick, he disagrees with that usage, that description of their relationship. I don't know if anyone's ever seen, used the word affinity uh, with me and, and any player. Uh, but, you know, uh, Fitz, I mean, obviously I've, I've coached against him, uh, watched him you know, play in this league for a long, long time, hadn't met him, uh, but, but, but knew of him from, you know, I went to BC, he was at Harvard, so uh, knew of him, but... I think what you hear about him as a person, um, you know, that was that was all true, and, and we're seeing that. He's all the things that you know I'm looking for in a player. He's tough. He's smart. He's competitive. He loves to he loves to play. He's a great teammate. Um, he's coachable. I think there's, you know, I would say he and I probably have a lot of similarities from that standpoint about our, you know the, the way we approach the game. And you know, I think it's it's been a good good fit. Affinity, probably. You know, I don't know if I'd use those words, but. I like the guy a lot. If you guys hear any strange sounds in the podcast, I think the receiver's room next door got a basketball hoop, and that's the sound you're hearing this morning, so I do apologize for that. But we press on here as Coach was asked next about when the team transitions from camp mode into preparation mode as we are just one week away from the kickoff here of NFL season, Kansas City and Houston, of course, pulling for Kansas City there with the draft pick of the Houston Texans, and just 10 days away from our own opener in New England. I mean, it's a little bit of both right now, Cam. It's... You know, we, 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 we you know, obviously started some preparation on, 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 on them, uh, trying to get familiar with their uh, personnel. They've got some new players, uh, the quarterback situation, obviously. Uh, but at the same time, we're going to use today and work on some things that we may not have seen um, from our offense, our defense today, uh, over the course of training camp, not necessarily in New England, um, but just you know, different looks that we haven't seen Uh Offensively, defensively, really, you know, in training camp, you work against whatever your defense does. That's what you're going to see offensively. Whatever your offense does, you're going to see defensively. Whatever you know, you do in a kicking game, that's what you see. But you know, some other teams are a little bit different, and there's some other concepts that um, we need to see. You know, we need to see more of. So um, that's what we're working on today, and then you know, we'll get into the game plan uh, a little later in the week, probably. That response was music to my football-loving ears, just hearing him talk about different concepts and approaches. He obviously didn't get into any of those concepts, but you know we have so many different unique styles of offense around the NFL today. Like, for instance, what the Jacksonville Jaguars were under Tom Coughlin. I know he's not there anymore, but that physical, grinded-out type of team. Then, the very next week, you could find yourself playing Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs and have to deal with that spread-out attack that has so many different wrinkles and variations to it. And You have to defend a quarterback that has so much talent in his arsenal that you just have to defend every blade of grass on the field and then you might find yourself going up against the Ravens and Lamar Jackson and that quarterback lead heavy offense and the read option and all the misdirection they do in the running game throwing the ball to the tight ends over the middle of the field there are just so many variations of offense in this league and it does seem to stand to reason that you would face challenges without having preparation or game plans in place from the previous four preseason games you don't have that this year so you have to make up for it in this short period of time and luckily, you've got some options this year for the scout team offense. For instance, a former quarterback in college that did a bunch of running on his own right. Up next, Coach was asked about his own improvement going into year number two, things he's looking to improve on as a coach in his second year here in Miami. Well, I'm still working on everything. I try to improve on a daily basis in every area of my life, coaching, you know, fatherhood, you know, husband, uh, friendships. You know, I try to get better really at everything. But yeah, I mean, there's there's experience that experiences that I had uh, last year. I think about as I'm trying to make decisions in uh, this season, 
conversations that I've had, experiences, situations, you know, in practice and games. I, I certainly don't have all the answers. I don't think I ever will. Um, so I still lean on a lot of the, you know, I lean on our coaching staff, you know, whether it's Danny Crossman to Chan to Josh Boyer uh, to Eric Studesville. I mean, there's, you know, I feel, I feel very comfortable with our group. I'll lean on those guys, but as far as the relationships with the players, uh, the guys who were here a year ago, they, they, they kind of know how I'm wired. Uh, they know what I expect. That's been good. I mean, as far as, you know, comfortability uh, from that standpoint, but at the same time, we also have a lot of new players who we're still getting to know them as well. And they're getting to know me and that's kind of, that's football in general. It's kind of how, it, how, how uh, we try to build a team. There's always some new guys and, make everyone feel comfortable, but at the same time, coach them hard. And And we'll go ahead and finish up here with coach talking about three players and their progress coming back from injuries. Jakeem Grant, Devontae Parker, he said they're working hard to get back every day, getting better, and mentioned the injury report will come out next week for that Patriots game. Hopefully they're not on it, but he says we'll see. And then he was asked to evaluate the performance so far of Xavier Howard, who's been back now for one full week. Yeah, he's made a lot of progress. I mean, he's looked he's looked he's looked good out there. I mean, he's fast, quick. You know, he's he's just got to work on you know the techniques, the fundamentals. That'll come. Uh, but he's looked good. Uh, conditioning. I mean, those that's you know those are things that you know you work on them on a daily basis and they get better. So yeah, he's 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 trending in the right direction. I would say that again, a lot of competition at that position as well. And, you know, we'll see, we'll see, uh, we'll see how it shakes out. And so there goes Coach ahead of Thursday morning's practice, again, just 10 days away from the start of the season for your Miami Dolphins. And with the season so close, let's go ahead and talk about this roster, the construction of this roster, and some snap counts as when they do take the field, they're going to have plenty of options out there as we kind of sandwich this podcast with Brian Flores and player media availability together here in the middle on this Thursday, September the 3rd edition of the Drive Time Podcast. We've heard coaches players, myself, anybody attached to this Dolphins operation talk about the importance of being multiple on defense and on offense too. It goes both ways. A staple of what it takes to be a Miami Dolphins that you are tough, smart, a physical player, but also the more you can do, the more value you have around this building. And that's true of every employee here in the building. Hell, I've even learned some graphics work since I've been here for the articles up on MiamiDolphins.com. So the more you can do, the more self-reliant you can be, the more value you have in this organization. So I want to take a look at snap counts and package deployment from last year from Pro Football Focus and try best to apply that to this year's team. And by now, we are very familiar with the multiplicity of the defense. We had Eric Rowe talking about the man-based defense on the podcast a while back. Only the Lions and the Patriots played more man coverage last season in the NFL. That, according to Pro Football Reference, we saw even, odd, three-man, four-man, five-man fronts. We saw linebackers come down on the ball in the A, the B, the C gap. We saw Eric Rowe come down in that marble point front where he aligns inside the force defender on the outside. You have your outside linebacker or defensive end aligned outside of the formation as Rowe comes down to be privy both to the tight end, releasing into the pattern, but also to fit the C gap in the running game. Not an easy job. But back on topic here, why don't we go ahead and just start there with the defensive backs. It's easy at the top here because barring injury you're going to roll the same four players on the field pretty much every snap in a perfect world and again there is no perfect world in the NFL but if there was Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, Eric Rowe and Bobby McCain your two perimeter corners and your two safeties they don't leave the field in an ideal world that's four 100% snap takers there now 
Pro Football Focus has a league average of five defensive back packages in the NFL at 54%. But there's a very, very important carrot in there to recognize. You might assume that five means five or more, but it doesn't. It's just five defensive backs. So six defensive backs in the NFL is 12%. So you call that, what is it, carry the one 66% of the time? I know there's no carrying the one there. I just suck at math and making a joke. But 66% of the time, you're a nickel or dime defense. So again, I know you'll hear this out in the Twitter sphere, even from people that have covered this game for a long, long time, talking about base defense, base defense, 4-3, 3-4. It's just, it's not. Just stop. It's not your base defense. Those are sub packages in today's NFL sub is the new base. And so back to the Dolphins, they used five defensive backs 35% of the time last year compared to that 54% league average. Pretty big gap, right? However, they used dime defense, six defensive backs 29% of the time. That is a 17% increase on league average of 12%. So there you go. You get your 64% right there from the Dolphins with five or six defensive backs on the field, just 2% less than the league average. But that's not it because also on Pro Football Focus, we've got quarter and half dollar defense. Yep, it just keeps going with that trend. Seven defensive backs, eight defensive backs. They made up just short of 10% last year of the combined snaps. And these all come with different different variations of fronts. The description only refers to the number of defensive backs on the field. So if this is getting too wordy for you, let's go ahead and slow it down. Nickel defense means five defensive backs. Dime means six. Quarter means seven. And half dollar means eight defensive backs. So you get about a 10% bump from quarter and half dollar, bringing our five or more defensive back packages on the field to a grand total of 74% of the time. So three-fourths of the time, you have five or more defensive backs on the field. We all clear on that? Okay, cool. And then there are a handful, like less than 1% total, of snaps played with less than four defensive backs on the field called your heavy package, and the rest will be your four defensive back package. So three-fourths of the time, you're going to be in five DBs or more, and one-quarter of the time, you're going to be with four defensive backs on the field. So five guys are going to play a ton, six will play a lot, seven will play some, and in reality, you need about 10 guys active on game day you feel good about in the secondary based upon injuries, special teams help, guys to fill in for a series or two if someone gets nicked up. So many variations go into this, and if you want to be multiple and you want to execute your quarter, half dollar, dime, nickel, sub package defense, you have to have about 10 guys. So X, Byron, Rowe, McCain, again, ideal world. Doesn't exist, but in that world, they play 100% of your snaps. Last year is not a good indicator for individual snap counts because all those guys went on injured reserve except for Eric Rowe, and obviously Byron Jones wasn't here, but he always plays, at least in Dallas he did. So the 2019 Dolphins are not a great indicator, but in New England, for instance, Stephon Gilmore played 94% of their snaps. See, not a perfect world. Couldn't play all 100% of their snaps. Devin McCourty played 93% there for them, and Patrick Chung played in 90% of the snaps of the games in which he was active for. Again, injuries happen. You need these bodies. Deron Harmon played 65% as the third safety. J.C. Jackson, one of the better cornerbacks in the league across the board, played 65%. Jonathan Jones played 60%. You get it. You need bodies. 
Then we've got work there from Noah Igbenogany, who probably ideally fits in that 75 plus percent range. And the same is probably true of Brandon Jones, the safety who comes down and plays multiple roles on this defense as well, with depth looking really, really damn good behind those guys in Nick Needham, Jamal Perry, Tay Hayes, Kayvon Frazier. So that's the 10 that I feel. Frankly, I feel really good about that group of 10 defensive backs here for the Dolphins, and obviously there are more guys that could factor in to that equation as well. At the next level, I think you've got two guys that probably rarely exit the field, and they are Kyle Van Noy and Jerome Baker. We've seen Bake exceed 1,000 snaps here even just last season. We know what KVN is and how valuable his role in this defense is. Both of those guys do seriously everything you can ask from a linebacker, rush the quarterback, run fit, get yourself in the proper gap, drop and cover and communicate the defense. What did Matt Breida tell us on the podcast? Run, hit and cover. Well, that's Jerome Baker. That's Kyle Van Noy. You can kind of think of them in that way as Flores as Van Noy and Hightower in that sense. But then we've got a bunch of guys who played in various roles too, like Sam Egwavon, Vince Beagle. They both played roughly 60% last year. Raekwon McMillan played 45%. He did miss some time with injury though, so that number is probably higher on a games played basis. And then there are plenty of packages that do call for three linebackers on the field. So it's not just Baker and Van Noy. Three three fronts and nickel are common. About 250 snaps, roughly 20 You get another 100 plus snaps from your base or heavy defense with three or even sometimes four linebackers on the field. You can go two, four as well. So that accounts for another additional 100 snaps or so. So you're getting close to about 400, 450, maybe even 500 snaps with three or four linebackers on the field. And don't you just feel good about the rest of this roster's ability to make that up as well? Because Landon Roberts had an awesome training camp. I think it's pretty clear a pretty part-for-part plug-and-play there for Raekwon McMillan in that role, and those are a few hundred snaps there for him. Andrew Van Ginkle does a little bit of everything the way Vince Beagle did coming down off the edge. Kamu Gruje-Hill has that run-hit-cover skill set we talked about as well. So honestly, if anything, there probably aren't enough snaps to go around for everybody here on this team that deserves the reps there. So Coach even said it himself in his press conference after the scrimmage on Saturday that depth in the room, the linebacker room, was one of many factors going in to that Raekwon McMillan trade. So depth at linebacker feels pretty good there too. Finally, we go up front, and the story just feels the same here for me. You know how I feel about Emmanuel Ogba. He is just a monster in training camp so far, and he should play a lot. He averaged 638 snaps per year through four years with both the Browns and the Chiefs, even though he got injured last year about halfway through the season. The numbers should likely go up from there for Ogba, and the same is true of Shaq Lawson. So what we call that, about 1,500 snaps or so for those guys, maybe even a little bit more, a meaty, meaty chunk of defensive end work there from those two studs on the defensive line in general. Do we call it 4,000 snaps because you're going to base this on 1,000 snaps per position? So you've got, what is that, 1,100 snaps to give out on defense with 11 guys, 1,000 snaps, I should say, 11,000 snaps to go around with 4,000 on the defensive line. So if those guys eat up 1,500 snaps, you've got 2,500 to go around. Both Christian Wilkins and Devon Godshaw played about 750-ish snaps, give or take, last year for this Dolphins defense. But we did hear Coach Hobby on Wednesday's podcast talk about the importance of rotation and how badly you need to keep those guys up front fresh I don't think that's at all an issue for Christian Wilkins. 
He never left the field at Clemson. He did the same thing last year here in Miami. Plus, he can play inside as the one shade up over the center. That three technique in those four-man fronts. He can kick out over the tackle in your odd bare fronts up front. So his versatility really goes a long way for him. And I would say that that workload feels fitting for Christian with maybe a little bit dialed back for Godshow there because we have to account for this big rookie who had a hell of a camp in Raekwon Davis. The absolute bull that he is, he factors in akin to Christian Wilkins in that he can play a lot of positions and in that 2-4 we saw sometimes last year with Wilkins and Godshaw or Wilkins and John Jenkins or even like Wilkins and Charles Harris or Taco Charlton you would then fill in linebackers like Van Ginkle and Beagle and Baker and McMillan up front so you get that 2-4 look with Wilkins and Davis as those guys that gives you multiple rush gap options with not just your defensive linemen but also your linebackers and Van Noy and Baker and Gruje Hill and Van Ginkle as your 2-4 speed package I guess we can call it because all those guys can flat out scoot Like if the offense goes into 11 personnel, which is one back, one tight end, three receivers, and it's third down and nine. So you know it's a passing down, but they don't have four or five receivers in the formation. You keep that nickel package together to account for the receivers and tight ends in the back. And then you've got legitimately six guys who can rush multiple spots. And four of them are also good in coverage as well. Not to slight Christian Wilkins here, because we know he can play the hook zone when he peels off. I'm just not going to ask him to kick out over the slot and cover up Julian Edelman. But in that package, you have guys that can rush and cover. So you can confuse the protection call with showing guys in different gaps and bluff those blitzes and back out accordingly how you see fit. So Wilkins and Davis up front eating up another, what is it, 15 hundo snaps. Godshaw plays another 500, 600 or so. Then you've got Zach Sealer, who I think is just a damn good football player. Jason Strobridge, one or two other guys out there to round out the other four to 500 snaps or so. Sounds good to me, man. Let's go. On offense, your quarterback doesn't leave the field, or at least he shouldn't, so 100% there from that position. At running back, I think it's a hot hand type of deal. We heard Coach Studisville mention how they want to expose these guys to every role possible and then just see who fits from there. And you do want that mystery factor of being able to say, well, Howard, Breida, Gaskin, all these guys can function as runners, pass catchers, and pass blockers. So when we put one of them on the field, the defense isn't privy to any particular call or play structure based upon who the running back in the game is. And like Hobby mentioned on the defensive line, keeping these guys fresh can be vital. I heard someone the other day suggest that some team, and suddenly I'm blanking on it, I want to say it was the Chiefs, but that kind of feels wrong because it almost seemed like a slight to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who you guys know I'm infatuated with. Actually, yeah, I think it was the Chiefs because the comment was they could sign Leonard Fournette to fulfill their Lendell White role. They talked about Chris Johnson runs to get you a lead, Lendell White runs to close the game out. And who better of a closer than Jordan Howard? Not to make that comparison for apples to apples, but just talking about Howard's ability to close games down here in this Miami Heat, it's no freaking joke. But Howard's just a freaking bull. Brita looks explosive as hell, and Gaskin had a damn good camp. Patrick Laird certainly has a role as a pass catcher and special teamer on this team. Chandler Cox really helps clear things up as a lead blocker in 21 personnel. He is Very fun to watch the way he invites contact and blows things up. Options are aplenty there, and Malcolm Perry is certainly, certainly an intriguing option. He has had a very good camp 
as well out of Navy. On the offensive line, the story is the same as it is at quarterback. You hope you get 100% for five guys, but that's just not realistic in the National Football League. That's why you find value in a Jesse Davis who is an adequate right tackle or right guard on top of the position flexibility that really expands that value. Ted Karras can play all three interior spots. Michael Dieter is the same in that regard. Austin Jackson, Solomon Kinley, Robert Hunt have all had good days as the coaches have talked about some bad days, but they've shown you their ability on those good days. You have Eric Flowers, who is just a rock solid, rock solid guard guy that has played tackle in his career as well. So I think your lineup comes out of there somewhere and you feel good about your swing tackle, even if it means you have to shuffle the lineup a bit and your swing interior guy, because you have six or seven guys that you feel comfortable putting in the lineup on Sundays. Now, obviously, attrition can set in at any point in the season. For instance, we saw Philadelphia already go down Andre Dillard, go Cougs. They also lost Brandon Brooks for the season. So when that stuff starts to happen, that's when you get your depth really tested. But for now, going into the season, you feel good about the starters as well as a couple of guys behind them that give you that depth and give you that flexibility as well. At tight end, I think we all expect Gesicki to continue that trajectory from the end of last year. He's playing super fast and confident and strong on the practice field. We've heard effusive praise for Durham Smythe from the coaching staff, namely George Godsey. And those guys were your 12 personnel package last year. Your one one back, two tight ends. Dolphins ran at 24% of the time. We'll see how it looks this year under Chan Gailey, and we'll also see how it looks with Adam Shaheen factored in because he is massive, man. He's a big dude. He can block, and he can move pretty well for a guy that size. Then we finish out wide, and this is kind of like the defensive back room for the offense. You've got Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, who you hope to get 90-plus percent workloads out of. Isaiah Ford is so reliable and dependable. I think it makes sense that his workload really goes up and reflects what we saw last year in December compared to obviously what we saw in September when he was on the practice squad, especially with that comfort level that he and Fitz have developed over the last two years. Jakeem is kind of a wild card. He's all gas, all explosion, and definitely changes the way defenses defend you. We mentioned Perry, and you've got Mac Hollins, who's a damn good special teamer and a guy that I think can fill in behind Parker and Williams adequately on the outside. So it's basically those top two guys and then different roles for different packages and different offensive calls you want to make for the rest of the position. There's definitely more to analyze and to play with and try to figure out the rosters and the lineups on the defensive side than there is with the offense with regards to snap counts and that sort of thing. But a fun exercise nonetheless gives you an idea of the depth and how this team might look come game day on Sunday. Again, just 10 days away. And with that, we spin it forward to Jordan Howard, Dolphins running back, who spoke to the media on Thursday. First, he was asked to evaluate the offensive line play so far through training camp. I feel like the line they're coming along pretty well. We got some young guys. Uh, they're getting their feet wet and stuff like that. So, uh, again, even though we're not having preseason games, I feel like they're getting a lot of reps. Um, just growing. I just see them growing each and every day. So, I feel like uh, the more comfortable they be, the better we're going to get as the season goes. Hey, Jordan. How's it going, man? Um, I'm curious to get your take now that you've been here for a few weeks and kind of grinded in the Miami Heat. How much you're looking forward to playing down here in the September and October weather and how much of an advantage you think your style gives you with this temperature down here? Um, yeah, I used to train down here, but uh, just practicing down here in this heat is, is a lot different, but uh, it's definitely going to be an advantage for us. Uh, I played down here like two or three years ago and I was and my team, we were, we were dead. So I know the advantage that it is uh, playing down here with this heat and uh, just practicing. We're going to be in shape. And so Jordan Howard believes this heat and humidity down here puts the Dolphins in good position to be in shape and ready condition-wise for the opener and for the season. Up next, as we often do, we asked 
Jordan to evaluate the play of rookie quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. Here's his evaluation on the rookie. I mean, I feel like Tua can get the job done. I feel like he's moving around very well. Um, me personally, I can't tell that, he's, that he was injured before. Um, I feel like he's he's getting comfortable and stuff like that. And I feel like just the next step for him is his recovery process is just uh, playing the game and actually getting hit. But uh, for what I've seen, uh, I feel like he could, he'll be ready when his time is, is up. And let's go ahead and stay on the offensive side of the ball here and hear from new Dolphins tight end Adam Shaheen, who of course came over in a trade in the summer from the Chicago Bears. Here is Shaheen answering my question about the acclimation into the offense here early on as he gets a foothold in Miami. Uh, kind of on that same train of thought there, Adam, I'm just curious, coming over this late in the process and that, you know, was it late July trade, how has it been for you acclimating to the new system and, and how do you feel you've kind of grown into the new role you have here? Well, you know, I, I think I probably would have felt a little more behind if, you know, everybody here had kind of had the regular OTAs and they actually had practiced together, built those, you know, those connections. But I think, you know, being being traded, you know, two days or whatever it was, ended up being before training camp. It, you know, obviously I had to rush to learn and still learning, but as far as actually on-field time, like this is the first time for most guys that they were in, you know, on the field together as this new team. So I don't feel like I was too far behind in that aspect, which has been good. So, And here is Adam reflecting on the previous three years in Chicago and his number one priority at this point of his career, just staying healthy. You know, the last three years have just kind of been, you know, they've been, I've enjoyed them. But, you know, I've had injuries and really the biggest thing for me is always stay healthy. And if I can stay healthy, then I can do, you know, whatever, you know, I think whatever they need to, need to ask for me. So I think that's uh, kind of the attitude is, you know, whatever role that I can earn and, and carve out for myself is something that you know, I'll be happy with. And let's go ahead and finish up here with the youngest player in the National Football League on the other side of the football, cornerback Noah Igbenogany, who was first asked where he thinks his game has come along the furthest so far in his rookie training camp. Um, just my overall technique and just learning the game. Uh, the game is kind of slowing down to me. Um, I feel like it's, it's been hard for a lot of rookies in this class just because we didn't have a preseason. We didn't have like a mini cap or nothing like that. So um, I really had to progress in just, just in the meeting room, honestly. Um, the practice has been limited. And so... Um, so I just feel like just mentally, I've, I've really grown uh, physically as well, just as far as my technique and stuff like that, just little details of the game and just, just mentally overall. So, And for the 20-year-old cornerback, you always want to rely on the help of the veterans around you. Here, Noah was asked about the veteran experience and help having Xavier Howard back now that he's been with the team with the cornerbacks on the field for the past week now back off PUP and the COVID-19 reserve list. Uh, it's a it's, it's a huge, um, it's a huge, <laughs> um, he's somebody I looked up to before coming to the league and it's crazy that I'm playing. Um, besides guys like Byron and, and him. And so it's, it's crazy just to, just to see him work on the field and him being right next to me is, is a dream come true. Um, I'm just happy. I'm happy to see him on the field and uh, healthy and everything. I'm just ready to see, uh, see how he does in the season. Earlier, Noah talked about playing anywhere the coaches would accept him on the field. He's down to just play wherever he can on the defense. Here he talks about the differences between playing inside and outside. Really interesting answer here about how inside it's mental, outside it's physical. They both challenge you in different ways. Honestly, I would say the receiver can go uh, many different ways. On the side, uh, playing corner or playing outside, um, you have the sideline as your help, and so you can really use that as to an advantage. Inside, you don't really have have the sideline, so you can really go anywhere you want depending on the coverage you're in. So that's why I feel like uh, slot is is probably I feel like slot is harder just mentally. Uh, physically, I think corner is harder, but uh, mentally, it's a 
And so you have to know a lot of things. Next, he might be a rookie, but he has a veteran mindset here. Here he talks about the confidence level and the short memory you have to have because all great cornerbacks, all cornerbacks rather, even the great ones, will get beat at some point or another. Here is Noah Igbenogany on his mental approach, his mental makeup, and his belief that he's going to dominate every single rep. Um, honestly, I, I approach the game like I'm going to dominate every single game. This is the mentality I have. Um, like you said before, um, corner playing corner in this league, in any league, you're going to get beat. I don't care who you are. You're going to get beat. And so even the greatest get beat. And so it's all about the next play. That's all our coaches preach us. And so I feel like you wouldn't be able to build this level if you didn't have that mentality because stuff is going to happen um, just like life as well. And so um, I approach like that. I approach like any game I'm going to dominate who I'm going against. And so um, I'll never change that. No, I wanted to ask you about special teams, uh, what you're expecting and what your comfort level is as a potential return man in the NFL. Uh. I'm comfortable, I'm comfortable doing anything. My coaches asked me. I did return in, uh, in in college at Auburn, and so it's something I've been doing. I've been doing kick return for a very long time, so it's something I'm very comfortable with. Uh, whether that's playing whatever special teams they want me to play, I'm, I'm willing to play. So I'm just ready to get out there. Hey, no, I wanted to ask you about your position coach and Gerald Alexander. We've had a chance to talk to him a few times, and he seems very direct and but also intense and, and very to the point that way. I'm just curious what your experience has been like with him so far, and what you've taken away from him, both on the field and in the classroom. Uh, he's taught me, um, him and my and my DB and my cornerback coach, uh, Charles Burris, has taught me a lot um, about this game. Um, it's really, um, there's a lot of things I didn't know coming in that I thought I knew. But I, there's really a lot of things about this game that I didn't know. And they both um, sat down and had many conversations with me in the summer. Um, those one-on-one meetings really, um, I feel like really got me right mentally just, just to come in and, and uh, be a step ahead, I would say. And so um, I appreciate them from the bottom of my heart and just, um, they taught me a lot of, um, um, besides football as well, just in life and stuff like that. And so um, I can't wait for uh, what the future holds for all of us. So. And here is Igbenogany once again on the comfortability and the willingness to play anywhere on the field, anywhere his coaches ask him to, and do any assignment the coaches ask him to on the field defensively or on special teams. Um, I'm a baller at heart, so I feel like I can play anything and on the field. And so whether that's offense, defense, special teams, I feel like I can do anything. And so um, I'm, comfortable, I'm comfortable doing anything. Up next, Noah was asked about his initial meeting with the Miami Dolphins back in Indianapolis at the scouting combine, the meeting with Brian Flores and Josh Boyer, and what his initial impression was of the Miami Dolphins. Oh uh, yeah, after that, um, uh, I, I, I really did. I wanted to uh, play for play for Miami. That was one of the teams I really wanted to play for. Just, uh, just everything we're trying to do here, uh, Coach Brian uh, Flores, just um, his mentality as, as far as the team. I really feel like we relate, um, just mentality wise. And so, um, it was like you said, I, I really. Um, I really enjoyed that meeting when they came up there to Auburn off of Pro Day and stuff. And so it's crazy how stuff works out. And we finish up here with an evaluation from the rookie on the receivers across from him. At first, he was asked which receiver has been the toughest. He wouldn't give us that answer. Of course, good teammate there. But he was asked what individual traits those guys had. And here he is kind of grouping that thing together, talking about this Dolphins receiving core as a whole. There's one word in here that made me want to put this response in here, talking about the Dolphins receiver size because it's paramount. Uh, speed, physicality, um, size, we got craftiness. Um, it's just like we have every single person like to match, um, to match what you want in the offense. And so I really feel like we're going to be a very special offense this year. Like I said before, we have every receiver for any category you want. And so um, I can't wait to see uh, what they do this year. And so there you have it. Dolphins running back Jordan Howard, Dolphins tight end Adam Shaheen, and the rookie cornerback Noah Igbenogany all speaking on this podcast as well as head coach Brian Flores. We're going to come back tomorrow and do it all over again here on the Drive Time Podcast. But as for today's show, that is going to be 
my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and leave us a rating. Leave us a review. There's one way to give back to the podcast. It's leave that rating, leave that review. Let us know how we're doing. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. New Fish Tank and Audible podcast out this week. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.